Support for this podcast comes from Medible. Medible enables mobile solutions to globalize clinical research with anytime, anywhere participant data capture through connected devices. Learn more at Medible.com and get a demo today. That's Medible.com. It's harder and harder to talk about technology as just technology without thinking about business and society. The real power of these advanced technologies is the way they fit into the lives of humans as well as social organizations and society in general. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Welcome back to Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders making the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 66. Lots of great stuff happening here at Digital Health Today. It's been a really busy second quarter. We've recorded interviews with some really interesting guests, attended some phenomenal meetings, such as the Founders Forum event in London a few weeks ago, and we have a new sponsor on board we'll be announcing shortly. We've continued to build and grow this platform. We've been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work to bring you more content and make it easier and faster to produce great episodes. There are a lot of changes we'll be announcing soon, so I'm really excited about those, and we'll be making some announcements in the coming weeks. I'm also really pleased to announce that we've had a new colleague join our team. Demi Radiva has joined us as our online community manager, and she's going to be launching some new programs that will help engage more people and organizations in some really interesting ways. If you'd like to hear more about those announcements, we will, of course, talk about them here. But you can also find more details and links to the relevant info by joining us online as a member of the Digital Health Today community. You can sign up on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com. One quick thing that I wanted to mention before we get started on the program, and that is regarding a change in deadlines. You may have heard the episode we did recently with Dr. Sue Varga of Bayer Grants for Apps. We talked about the Bayer G4A Dealmaker program that's running. Now, that application deadline was supposed to be, I think it was the 30th of June. That's now been extended. So if you're listening to this episode before July 8th, 2018, you still have time to apply for this program. They've pushed it back for another week to give more time for early stage businesses to apply. It's a fantastic program. It's the second year they've run it, and they're offering what probably is the best prize that any competition could offer, which is a global corporate customer. We talked about it on the podcast. I think it was 10 early stage businesses had won letters of intent to work with Bayer in a commercial capacity. So a really phenomenal program, opening their doors and opportunities for businesses to get traction on a global scale. So do check that out and make sure you apply by July 8th. You can find out more at g4a.health. That's G, the number four, letter A, dot health. All right, our guest today is the Senior Managing Director for Accenture's global healthcare business. Dr. Kave Safavi is responsible for developing and driving a growth strategy that differentiates Accenture's offerings for providers, health insurers, and public and private health systems across the globe. He joined Accenture in 2011, and prior to that, he was at Cisco, where he led the global healthcare practice. He also spent time at Thomson Reuters as the chief medical officer of health businesses, and he was United Healthcare's vice president of medical affairs. As you can tell from that description, he's a seasoned executive with more than two decades of leadership experience, and he's here to share some of the findings of Accenture's new healthcare industry report. Its title is the 2018 Digital Health Tech Vision. They've identified five key trends, and we jump into those here on this program. If you want to learn more about these and grab a copy of the report, there are a few things you can do. First of all, you can grab a copy from our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 66. And of course, it's also available directly from Accenture on Accenture.com, so you can find it on their website as well. 
Accenture is also hosting a live webcast to discuss the details of this report. It's taking place on July 28th, 2018 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And of course, we'll also have a link to that on our website. So go check it out, digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 66. Now let's jump into the conversation with Dr. Kaveh Savavi. Kaveh, thanks for joining me and welcome to the program. Thanks. Good to be here. Kaveh, I want to start off by diving into what you're seeing at Accenture around digital health. I know we're going to dive into a report that you guys just released, mm-hmm. but what can you tell us broadly about the health industry and where they're heading with digital health from Accenture's perspective? Absolutely. Health is really in the beginning of a very large-scale transformation, and technology is what's making it possible. The, the citizens' expectations that healthcare is going to be on their own terms because that's how the rest of the world that they experience is happening. The fact that there's a, going to be a shortage of healthcare workers as, as the demand for healthcare services from population and science grows faster than the labor force uh, and the challenge around making healthcare economically productive really all converges on a, a world where healthcare is much more location independent, much more self-service much more a blend of physical and virtual and much more personalized, meaning it's on the, on the patient's own terms. The result of those forces ultimately can only really be met if you take advantage of the digital technologies that are available now, and then you combine that with traditional care models. So our view is that healthcare is going to be one of the really important expressions of the intersection of technology and business, and particularly these digital technologies, because the healthcare that system that we're going to have in the future can only be made possible through these technologies that are now available. You've just released this new report I mentioned earlier. It's the Digital Health Tech Vision 2018. It's the fifth year of this report. Before we dive into some of the findings, what can you tell us about the research process that culminated in this report? We undertake a global study, multi-industry study, which includes healthcare. And it's an opinion survey, which is used to inform our own technology view. And what we put forward in this vision is a point of view that is informed by our actual research that we do uh, in terms of technology innovation, research we get from our clients through these kind of attitudinal studies that you're referring to, and our the client work that we're doing. So what you see in our vision is a point of view, and it is informed by all of the work that we do. Now, the report breaks down the key trends that are likely to disrupt healthcare over the next three years. And there are five trends listed there. The number one item on the list is around AI. What did your research show about AI in healthcare? We call that first trend citizen AI. And we've been talking about artificial intelligence for some time. And this year, what we really wanted to address was the fact that it's not just an engineering problem. Uh, The promise of AI from an engineering perspective is still great and there's work to be done. But we also have come to understand that the adoption of AI is contingent on a number of different things being true. And in trend one, in citizen AI, it really speaks to the concept of both responsible AI and explainable AI. And by responsible, I mean that the person who is using the artificial intelligence or creating it is doing it for a a reason that is uh, ethical and appropriate. And the explainable is really about being transparent to the user around your approach to that problem. Because what we know, and this comes from research even preceding, say, artificial intelligence, is that people's willingness, for example, to use information and information technology is 
very much affected by their desire for a lack of bias. In fact, we did uh, a survey on uh, citizens' attitudes toward healthcare information broadly a couple of years ago, and we learned that citizens put a lack of bias over accuracy when they seek information. That is uh, not surprising. And as these tools like artificial intelligence become available, people want to understand exactly where you're coming from when they look at this uh, artificial intelligence tool because they want to make sure that the decisions they make are the ones that they would have otherwise made themselves or would have trusted someone to make for them. The second trend in the report is extended reality. I like this term, extended reality, meaning the virtual realities and augmented realities and even mixed realities. It, it really feels like this technology is gaining acceptance in healthcare. Was that confirmed by your research? It's, this is really the combination of virtual reality and augmented reality, virtual being a completely artificial environment and augmented being your physical environment with some information superimposed on top of it. And we see that blend occurring. Uh, in healthcare, the expressions that are most commonly used right now are things like educating clinicians, um, uh, training a doctor, for example, or even a medical student in human anatomy. This is a great example of where uh, you are able to, you're able to close the gap of both time and location at the same time. People are using it to help patients understand what their operating room experience will be or what their journey for a procedure will be from the time they check in to the time they check out or even what their time in a facility might be to take a virtual tour. Uh, those are some of the ones that you're seeing right now. A little bit of it is being used in the operating room as well for a clinician in actually conducting a procedure where they might have to bring information that was obtained, say, from uh, diagnostic tests or imaging prior to the patient being in the operating room and commingle that with the operating field and commingle that with some of the instrumentation that they have to use. So the idea being here that uh, we're really extending reality uh, by taking advantage of all of the attributes that exist today. I think we're just beginning to see the beginning of the promise around that. Yeah, we've had some great guests on this program. We've had Justin Barad from Also VR. We've had Professor Shafi Ahmed from Medical Realities in St. Bart's in London. Brennan Spiegel was just on recently, who runs the Virtual Medicine.Health conference out in Las Vegas with Cedar sinai And we've also had, way back about 40 episodes or so ago, we had Arshia Vahabzada, and he's with BrainPower uh, up in Boston. And they're all using virtual reality or augmented reality or a mix of the reality uh, to achieve different aims in healthcare. So it's an exciting area. And one of the things that I saw in the report that I think is exciting to all those companies that are working to commercialize in this space is that, what were the numbers? It was about half of health providers are planning to invest in these technologies. Is that right? From our survey data, I think people recognize that this is going to be a big part of how work is done. I think they see the clinical applications pretty clearly and the educational applications pretty clearly. Uh, it's just a matter of time uh, until the offerings become mature enough that you'll see widespread use of it. But I think there is an expectation that this will be a real part of augmenting the uh, healthcare experience for both the provider as well as the patient. I've got the numbers here in front of me, actually. So it's 82% of the executives that were surveyed said that extended reality, virtual and augmented realities, removes the hurdles of distance. So they saw the benefit of that. Nearly half, about 48% of health providers and one-sixth, 16% of health payers were planning to invest in these technologies in the next year. So that's really encouraging news for everyone who's developing these technologies and working to get them in a commercializable state. So 
the third trend that was listed in the report was around data veracity and the importance of having accurate, verified data. And I imagine with AI being an important trend that we talked about there is the first one in this list, that having good data is critically important. So what did your research show? It is related to the first trend. The first trend was more that is the technology, the machine learning technology that sits behind artificial intelligence, responsible and explainable. Because if for a machine to learn, it needs two things. It needs an algorithm of some sort, and it needs data that it learns from. This really goes to the data itself. And is the data itself complete, uh, complete enough and unbiased? It's impossible to bring the total of human experience to bear to train a computer. You're going to get some subset. So if you think about uh, a simple example might be uh, if I have information about how all patients over the age of 65 were uh, uh, responded to a treatment, and I train an artificial intelligence agent that'll help a doctor make diagnostic decisions, and they want to use it on a 30-year-old, that arguably, we there might be something about a 30-year-old that's not the same as a 65-year-old, and you need to understand that you really didn't train it with the same population, and maybe there's something biologically important. Even more challenging is if there's an implicit bias in the data that nobody understands. And, and uh, in the States, a couple of years ago, there was a, a lot of uh, research published talking about how women with breast cancer who were low income or African American were getting a different recommendation and not the recommendation that was viewed as the emerging standard of care. And uh, there can be lots of reasons why that's true. But whatever that data set is of women and their treatments and their outcomes, if someone were to simply take a historical view of women who are treated for breast cancer, and that was included in it, and they use that to teach an artificial intelligence agent to help the next doctor make a decision about breast cancer treatment, it might conclude that this patient should get surgery but not because that person should get surgery, but because the implicit bias in the historical sample was that people like that got surgery. And so it can perpetuate it. So this concept of veracity is both a com- concept of completeness as well as a concept of uh, uh, other implicit biases that are found in the information. And uh, we'll never have perfect information, but the less the information contains those kinds of errors, the more reliable it is, and therefore, the more reliable the artificial intelligence agent that is trained by that data can be. Now, related to this trend, no report would be complete without talking about another very hyped word today, which is blockchain. What did your research show about blockchain and healthcare? We actually address blockchain um, in the in the in the more in detail in the next trend, which relates to architectures and the fact that uh, technologies will have to uh, work together in a system. What's happening there is a recognition that no single company, no single piece of software is the answer to a whole problem. And that architecturally, you have to, you have to figure out how to take technology and modularize it. And that goes to things like microservices architecture and the use of APIs. And also find ways to uh, authenticate or connect up pieces of information. So blockchain is, an, is a really useful piece of technology when you're really worried about the Provence or identity or origination of information because it, it's been created or stitched together in different places. So we see blockchain as being very useful, less, I would say, in the veracity argument, but more in the ecosystem sense of how okay. are we actually going to get these things to work together. 
Great. So you got ahead of me a little bit. So the, the fourth trend then is around the importance of partnerships. Yeah. And, uh, you know, partnerships have been around for a long time, but they seem to be becoming even more important as we see tech companies increase their focus and investment in the health sector. And the opposite is also true, that health companies are investing more and more in technology. Is that related to the, the focus that your research had yeah. on, around partnerships? So two years ago, we talked about the fact that the technologies have to work together and we call that a platform. Last year, we said the technologies aren't the only thing, the companies have to work together. And we talked about business ecosystems um, working together as a, an answer. This year, we're dropping down the level and saying, you know, that's all great. But if the underlying technology doesn't enable that, then you can't really solve that problem. And this one speaks more to the fact that technologies like microservices as an architecture, like blockchain, like the use of APIs is critical as an enabler of this broader idea that the technologies have to work together and the companies have to work together. I should mention now that listeners can go to our website to download this report. We'll have that available for them to get at digitalhealthtoday.com. We'll also be able to find it on the Accenture.com website. The fifth trend that you have listed here, the fifth and final one, you called it the internet of thinking, not the internet of things, but the right. internet of thinking. What is that trend all about? This is a recognition that what's happening now, and this is the ebb and flow of how technology changes what's possible, um, that more and more of the, uh, the intelligence of a complex technology system uh, actually has to reside right where the person who is using the technology exists. So uh, what's a, an example? Um, if you look at the evolution of our information technology systems over the last, say, two decades, uh, in the beginning, we had very, very smart. All of our computing power was in our personal computer, our desktop. That's where everything was done. All the computation storage occurred. And then architectures improved. And at work, um, you had a terminal and all of the smart stuff happened somewhere else in a data center. And then we moved it to a cloud. And we started introducing uh, sensing, for example, biometrics for healthcare that would apply, like ability to understand your heart rate, et cetera. And then we started to add useful applications to it, useful applications about understanding sleep patterns or understanding your blood pressure biology in a way that's more than just seeing the reading. Well, what happens, we realized, is that for that to happen, you actually have to bring a computing power and some of the information management back to the device itself or the application itself. And so what we realized that the internet wasn't just about transmitting signals across a dumb pipe back to the central brain, but that the work actually had to occur all the way out at the edge of the internet. And this is typical of the ebb and flow of hardware and software uh, in, in information technology is that it is the demand for information, the demand for making sense of information, both computing and storing it, is so great that we now have to be able to do that right where we're at, right at the device or right at where the user is or right where the information is being collected in order to, for it to be useful. And the Internet of Thinking reflects the fact that intelligence exists not just at the center, but it exists all the way out at the edge. Thanks for running us through all those five trends. And again, listeners can download this from our website, digitalhealthtoday.com. I also find it on Accenture.com. Is there anything else in this report that you want to make sure we mention to the listeners while we have you here? At the heart of this is really that these technologies are fabulous, but you can't separate them from the concept of social responsibility and working uh, and, and really understanding 
of how humans and, and human organizations work. And it's harder and harder to talk about technology as just technology without thinking about business and society. And this begins to attempt to recognize the fact that the real power of these advanced technologies is the way they fit into the lives of humans as well as social organizations and society in general. Excellent. Well, Kaveh, thanks so much for joining me and taking the time to be on the program. My pleasure, Dan. It was good talking to you. Take care. That was Dr. Kaveh Safavi, Senior Managing Director for Accenture's Global Healthcare Business. Grab the full show notes on our website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 66. While you're there, please make sure you've joined our community by providing your email address. We'll send you information about our guests and upcoming events and information that accelerates the most important part of innovation, and that's implementation. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please help spread the word. I invite you to share this to your friends and network on social media, email, and by word of mouth. Reviews on iTunes are always appreciated as well. You can do that directly on your laptop or iPhone, and you can learn how to do that by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash review. More great guests are coming up, so make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app and follow the show on Twitter at dhealthtoday and on Instagram at digitalhealthtoday. That's all for me for now. I'll speak with you soon on episode 67. And until next time, keep on innovating.